Hi, welcome to True Creeps, where the stories are true and the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore to the possibly plausible paranormal, to horrifying history, to tense and terrible true crime, and everything else that goes bump in the night. We're your hosts, Amanda, and I'm Lindsay, and we want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. So today, we're going to be talking about Antarctica. Spooky. Yes. In case you can't read our show name this month, this week, what is it? What is time? Who am I? You know, we haven't recorded in a while. This is our first recording since we were together in Baltimore. I know. Everyone, just continue to pressure Amanda into moving here. (laughs) I had fun meeting everyone, too. Like, on the ghost tour, it was wonderful. Thank you to all of those that came. Yeah, it was a good group. It was a good group, and I loved our tour guide. He was good. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we had a snack tour after. We did have a snack tour. We got pretzels, pretzel dogs specifically. We went to Luna Garden in Fells Point, which is really cute. I had a chai. What'd you get? Uh, Like a lemonade vodka thing, I think. I don't even remember. A beverage beverage. And then we went to Kilwins. And then we went to Insomnia Cookies. It was delicious. It was great. Yeah. And your son immediately tells you that my husband attacked your husband. <laughs> Which I don't know. I just I just told Ben about that, by the way. I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, Ali blamed the event on you. And he was like, what? I wasn't even near him. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, he said you attacked him. I mean, it happens. It's OK. Mm-hmm. Anywho, we're talking about Antarctica today. And part of the reason we are is because there's just so much to do with Antarctica that it is kind of horrifying. And so we were like, this is a good hodgepodge of things that kind of work together. I think. It paints a scary picture. Absolutely. But before we get into specifics about that, we're going to cover some like Antarctica basics and kind of like background, because I feel like I didn't know a lot going into this. I just know it's cold and you don't want to be there. Yeah, it's cold. It's no one's. That was what I knew. Penguins. Yeah. I've seen a lot of like conspiracy theories and like what's hidden why aren't you allowed to go there like that sort of thing so i was immediately drawn when Lindsay was like let's do something on antarctica and i was like yes it's weird yeah something's up (laughs) but i am we'll talk about the end but i don't know where i fall into the something's up scale because we'll talk about it but again we're starting with basics so we're recording this on the evening of february 10th and it's currently negative 41 degrees Fahrenheit in Antarctica no, right thank now. You. No, and thank you. the average temperature of the interior is negative 71 degrees Fahrenheit. And the coastal average is a balmy 14 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, is that all? Cold as hell. Cold as hell. And the continent's also pretty big. It's approximately 5.2 million square miles. And 90 million years ago, it was a rainforest. But that changed when the Ice Age hit. And... What's really interesting, and we're not going to talk too much about this, but when they have done expeditions and been like looking around and researching and doing the things in relatively shallow areas of ice, they'll find like twigs and leaves and stuff. They're preserved, but they're fragile in the grand scheme of the earth that long ago that it was a rainforest. Yeah. So it has the world's strongest winds and only 2% of the entire continent isn't covered in ice. And most of the land exploration has been in the past 100 years. And most of that is because of improved technology, because it's a really, really like extreme weathered place. Yeah, it's hard to explore. Because in addition to the continent itself, even getting there is difficult because there's glaciers and there's also apparently like a lot of storms that surround it. Hard to get to, hard to explore. 
kind of like the ocean in a sense, like certain parts of the ocean where they're like, we can't go that far. Yeah. It's difficult. And it costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the exploration. By 1950, 12 nations were active in Antarctica and nine nations had territorial positions that they were claiming, but they were also in conflict with one another. The countries involved were Argentina, Australia, Belgium, Chile, France, Japan, New Zealand, Norway, South Africa, the United Kingdom, obviously United States, and the USSR or Russia. I found that list very fascinating, by the way. It's a pretty big list. <laughs> it's a pretty big list. And like, I didn't expect that these particular countries would be because a lot of these weren't big powers in the world at that time. That's true. And as a result of this, they developed the International Geophysical Year in 1957. And we're going to talk about what that is. The purpose was to put aside political and legal differences so it wouldn't interfere with research being conducted in Antarctica, which like fair. Everyone's like, we want to understand this. Yeah. How can we do that? The success of the IGY led to the creation of the Antarctic Treaty that began after the IGY. The treaty was signed on December 1st of 1959 and applies to all the area that is south of 60 degrees south latitude. The short treaty includes that the continent can only be used for peaceful purposes. There can be no military bases or weapons testing conducted there. I think that all sounds fair. Nuclear waste can also not be disposed there. It also required that research findings be shared freely. So they're like, okay, everyone can research, but like, let's all talk about it. So the treaty also stipulates that there can be no sovereignty disputes among the nations and makes no rules relating to jurisdictions. So it's not like you stay over there and I get to do it over here. Yeah. And so each country, not each country, but a lot of nations have their own stations. And I think the idea is that you can't be like, my station's here, so everyone has to work this way, from what I understand. Yeah. It also mandates that the parties must be given advance notice of their expeditions. Today, there are dozens of countries who have become part of the treaty. And per the treaty, Antarctica is, quote, a nature reserve devoted to peace and science. Kind of like that. I wish everything was. <laughs> my very, like, pacifist, like, nonviolent soul and heart take this as proof that we can do that. We can literally have a world like that because there's a part of the world where we do. Right. Where it's mutually beneficial to everyone involved, mm -hmm. where we don't try to use violence as a means to gain peace. Yeah. And we share what we learn. It's kind of nice. We literally just agree to not be assholes. How about it? So to me, that's kind of the most beautiful part of Antarctica is the fact that it is the one place where humans are united, like as a species. Yeah. However, it is terrifying. And let me tell you, I'm we're going I'm going to give you a brief overview of why this is scary. And we're going to talk about a lot of this in detail. But I feel like it's important to talk about now. So it's like you just gave me like a background on a treaty. This is supposed to be a creepy podcast. Why am I here? Well, let's talk a little bit about it. To start, there is an unknown amount of frozen remains. Mm -hmm. It's estimated that there are hundreds of bodies, if not more 
from those attempting to explore the continent. And one of the sets of remains is likely a man named Carl Disch. And in 1965, he was traveling from one building to another within the same station, the bird station, when he went missing. Search parties tried to follow his tracks, but they never found him. And I didn't see any reports of there being evidence of a crime. So it's just kind of a mystery of what happened to him. But we know with Dyatlov, even like just cold temperatures, it's hard. If someone disappears, it's hard to see. It's hard to follow. Yeah. And in addition to it being unfathomably cold in terms of like geographic in nature, there is bizarre geographic and weather stuff going on that I've never heard of happening anywhere else. And it is literally so cold that it can mess with your head. Mm -hmm. And to me, this was like the scariest part of all, because we'll talk more about crimes committed in Antarctica in a bit and how this cold works. But I found that just jarring. In all caps in the outline, I have the creatures. Um, there's so many conspiracies involving Antarctica. And Amanda mentioned that before. We'll talk about a few of those. We're not going to talk about all of them. Some of them I chose to purposely leave off because I find that making a certain group of people who are objectively bad into like mythical seekers is not good. Mm -hmm. So take that vagueness as you will. We'll also weave the conspiracies into the various segments as we go along. So some at the end, some in between. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the places there. There's something called Blood Falls, which already, just the name alone. The drama. Is weird. <laughs> so there's a glacier, Taylor Glacier, that has a five-story red ooze waterfall that comes down one of the sides. What a statement. The glacier was first discovered by Griffith Taylor about 100 years ago, which isn't that long ago, really. It was a mystery as to what the ooze was for a, a little while. And the geologist who found the glacier speculated that it was a type of algae. And we've kind of talked about algae a couple times in some of our other episodes. And it can come in a lot of different varying colors and cause a lot of different things. Yeah, I think we talked about it in our blob episode. And also just like we're calling it the ooze. And my Power Rangers mind is only thinking of Ivanus. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you were born before 1993, that is what you should be thinking of. There's no excuse. I'm glad it's not just me. So the ooze is actually a liquid that forms beneath the glacier that is very rich in iron and salt. And because of the high salt content, it has a lower freezing temperature, which I guess I really wouldn't have thought about, but makes sense. No, I would have never thought about that. So there are over 400 lakes that were first discovered in the 1970s, and they used radar to discover them. The pressure from the ice sheet above keeps them from freezing. And one of them, Lake Vostok, is the third largest lake by volume in the world. And it was discovered by Russian scientists in the 1990s, which that, again, doesn't seem very long ago that they discovered the third largest lake. And interestingly, microbes and entire ecosystems have been found in the under ice lakes. Wild to me. And just the amount of new life that they're finding in these places is pretty extraordinary. And then when you take that and you include it with the fact that you have to share with everybody what you're finding, mm -hmm. I think that's pretty cool. That is cool. But also it's like it goes back into what we said before, like we haven't discovered a lot of our oceans, right? Like that's terrifying because we don't know what's there. And again, it's like when things are underwater, it's mm, we'll fuss with that later. We'll we'll figure it out one day. We're going to have a creature segment where I was like, Amanda, do not look at creatures at all <laughs> because I want your like real time reaction 
to what these look like. There's some that I've probably seen because I've gone into a lot of weird Antarctica TikToks Mm -hmm. in the last year where I'm like, what? What? Why is that there? Why is that anywhere is the question. And we also have a very big question that we're going to need to figure out. I am very excited. I'm just saying I'm excited. So let's go to one of our conspiracies, the pyramids. So the pyramids were first discovered by Lincoln Ellsworth, an American aviator who saw them on November 23rd of 1935. There's now satellite imagery that shows what it looks like. And it does look a little bit like a pyramid. Yeah. But it's actually just a mountain. (laughs) And it's not even particularly tall. Mm -hmm. It's actually just a fifth of the height of the tallest mountain in the U.S., which is the Denali. Per Professor Eric Rignot of the University of California in Irvine, quote, this is just a mountain that looks like a pyramid. Pyramid (laughs) shapes are not impossible. Many peaks partially look like pyramids. Can't you imagine how annoyed he must be? He's like, sometimes mountains look like pyramids. I'm so tired of everyone thinking everything is a fucking pyramid. Or maybe it's a cover up, Lindsay. It's just a mountain. Yeah, sure. Maybe. I don't know why people would be covering up pyramids in Antarctica, but perhaps. Because they don't want anyone finding their secret base. (sighs) (laughs) (sighs) So the unnamed mountain is located in the Heritage Range in the southern section of the Ellsworth Mountains. This area has been home to some amazing fossils dating back 500 million years ago. Amanda, I'm going to need you to read the name of the next section and what I called it. (laughs) (laughs) so as Lindsay lovingly put this she put big ol' hole (laughs) sorry sometimes I think I'm very funny not a sinkhole though big ol' hole just a big ol' hole so in 2017 scientists observed a massive ice hole and it's called a polyninia and it was found in the middle of Antarctica but scientists really don't know why it formed or if there's anything inside of it It's theorized that a cyclone that passed through the area opened it up. And even more strange, it appeared in the same place in the 1970s, but eventually closed. I don't like that. I don't like it. Maybe it is a sinkhole, right? Like sometimes the sinkholes just kind of open and then, I don't know, shit happens and closes things back up. Yeah. Like what's weird is like when they say it closed, they mean it's covered with ice again and snow. Yeah. And so what I think is interesting is that Clearly, there is something observable. Mm -hmm. So like the fact that you could just dust off the surface with a cyclone and like see this massive hole. I'm like, that's bizarre to me. It just doesn't make sense. My brain can't quite make that make sense. Yeah. So now that we've talked about a creepy weird hole that, you know, opens and closes and no one really knows what it is. Let's move on to another thing that no one really knows what it is. (laughs) And that's cryptids. So we've talked about Antarctica's cryptid before. But that was like over 50 episodes ago, and it's been a while. And also, I just kind of love it because it's so stupid looking. We're going to talk about the Ningans. And just to review them again, since it's been a minute, Ningans are completely white humanoid creatures that are nocturnal and live in the waters near Antarctica. In descriptions of them, they've had things like mermaid tails, additional fins, and, you know, sometimes legs so that they could just walk on land when they feel like it. While they have eyes and a mouth, they don't have any other human facial features. They're described by some as roughly human-sized, perhaps 12-year-old boy-sized. Oh. 
while others say that they are 60 to 90 feet long with blubbery skin like a whale. So like that's like a a very big difference when people describe these things. It sounds like two different things that they're looking at. One sounds like a whale. Yeah, one of them's like, oh, you know why it has whale-like skin? Because it's a whale. (laughs) Right? Right? The first sighting of a Ningen was made by Japanese fishing vessels. And they thought it was a foreign submarine at first. And then they realized it was actually, you know, a living animal when they got closer. When they approached it in their boat, it went back underwater. Some accounts say that they were able to document their sightings in videos and photos. But the research never surfaced because of either, you know, we like to say it, government intervention or perhaps cultural pressure to not be associated with something possibly paranormal. Some rumors say the Japanese government is monitoring internet postings too and attempting to remove them as they appear. They're doing a bad job. They're doing a bad job. And also that makes people want to see it more. Yes. So Ningen means human in Japanese. And one of the first places to include Ningen sightings was about 16 years ago. And it was on a Japanese forum called Two Channel. And they described it to be about 100 feet long and a somewhat humanoid shape with arms and legs. The first public article came up in 2007 in a Japanese paranormal magazine, and they were called Antarctic Humans. And the article also included a Google Maps screenshot of what is believed to be a Ningen off the coast of Southern Africa. People have a wide array of theories as to what a Ningen may be. Some say that it's an undiscovered creature, like a type of ape that can breathe underwater because, you know, that's super common. That's exactly what it would be, right? Yeah. I say that with question marks everywhere. Others suggest that it's a whale, as as I said earlier, or perhaps an iceberg, which like, I guess from far away, you could be like, that's an animal. And then, oh, wait, it's just an iceberg. And the iceberg is odd, but it could be a case of pareidolia where people are seeing that shape in the ice, which that could make sense. I'm still leaning towards whale. Yeah. And just as a refresher, again, this is a whole other episode. Pareidolia is the perception of recognizable shapes in something else. So kind of like when you like see a giraffe in a cloud. Mm -hmm. Or when people see things in their toast. But I thought that you said toes at first. And I was like, I'd love to hear more about this. (laughs) When they see things in their toes. That's weird. (laughs) She saw toenail clippings on the mind. Mm, that was a minute ago not not really a minute ago but it feels like a minute ago because we recorded it a minute ago but yeah in my rice doll Mm -hmm. we forgot to do that while we were there we had so much time oh no so sad we also did not find the Blair Witch and I'm very disappointed (laughs) so going back to Ningans some people think that all the online photos are made to look so unbelievable so that it damages the credibility of the real Ningen photos. Mm. That's a stretch that takes a lot of planning, but perhaps they're right. As we've discussed, the extreme weather makes research pretty hard. And so it's very difficult to research if they even exist. I think that's what we should be funding. We need to go fund me. Clearly. There are some theories that the Japanese government is actually weaponizing a material from the Ningen. Horrific. Leave them alone. Let them just go do whale things. Why is it that that's where always people go? Oh, because people are people. We're weaponizing some like secretion from another creature. They're awful. Yeah. Also, based on their humanoid appearance, some believe that they could be really intelligent. 
which like breaks my heart if they're actually like real and they're trying to experiment on them. And if that is the case, their physiological similarities to humans could mean that we would be able to communicate with them and learn about sea life through them. And I know we talked about it in our cryptid episode forever ago, but that would be really cool to just be like, hey, what's going on in the ocean? And them to just answer all of our unanswered questions. Yeah, that would be awfully convenient. I love and hate the idea of having just like an in on the under the world see things like like a secret agent. Like, hey, get me the intel. Like a devil agent. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? what's the hot goss and deets? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I have been so excited about this next part. We're going to talk about creatures that we know exist <laughs> for surezies. For surezies. For surezies exist or existed because the first one we we're going to talk about is one of what they found in Antarctica was one of the most complete ancient reptile fossils that has ever been found there. And it's that of the Illimosaurus. And it's an aquatic reptile that's carnivorous. And it lived during the Cretaceous period, which was like over 80 million years ago. With the Basilosaurus? Oh, we're going to talk about him. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. He's coming up. I hope up. they were friends. I hope he was nice to the Basilosaurus because some people are very nice to him. This particular Elamosaurus was the heaviest to have ever been found. I'm assuming they could tell that by like the size of it. I don't know how they could figure out the weight of the dinosaur based on the fossil. Maybe like the impression. I don't know. Yeah. But this is how the BBC describes them. <laughs> Amanda already rolled her eyes at me. Because <laughs> she's like, she's about to dig into this creature. Okay, per the BBC, the Elamosaurus is a bizarre creature whose body was dwarfed by its long, thin neck and tail. Elamosaurus swam using four flippers. It was a carnivorous hunter which used its long neck to get close to prey without them noticing. Are you going to be mean to this too? <laughs> I am, yeah. They weighed 2.2 tons and they were roughly 46 feet long, which in case you're wondering is about <laughs> 39 12-year-old boys. Thank you, thank you. And I just can't stress how dumb they look because... She's okay, so Amanda, rude. don't don't She's Google so it. Rude. Don't Google it. I'm going to show you what is supposed to be a ferocious picture of one. Okay. Hold on. I have to make this full screen so you don't see what else is to come. That is beautiful. <laughs> you're going to tell me. You're going to look at me and tell me <laughs> that those fucking flippers, you can take him seriously with those flippers, with that neck to body ratio. Look, I don't judge how people look, Lindsay. I'm not judging people. I'm I'm judging an ancient reptile. For those listeners that cannot look at this beautiful oh, picture. Oh, right I want to hear your description and then what, how I would describe it. Okay. Please okay, continue. Okay. Think of, I'm going to use the technical term for this for anyone around our age. Okay. Think of a long neck. Littlefoot, obviously. Clearly. All right. Littlefoot's mom. Head and neck on like a, mm, like the flippers are pretty fucking long. Like a uh, thin whale if you will. Thin whale with really long ass <laughs> Oh flippers. no, we have a, we have, do we have a thin whale fat shark spectrum in, in the ocean? So it's, <laughs> we do now. It's a thick cat. But it has like four flippers. So it's just like, it's arms and legs and a little tail. Arms and legs being flippers, mind you. Okay. I think it's wonderful. Okay. Here's my description of it. To start, we're going to talk about various parts of the body, then put them together. I want you to imagine an unnecessarily long worm. Okay, start there. Not a lot. And then imagine 
at the top of that worm, there is a mouth that opens too wide with teeth that are too <laughs> tiny and there's just too many of them with beady little eyes. And then I want you to imagine the shape of a raw, boneless chicken breast. What? That's its body connected to the worm, beady eyes and too many teeth with a big open mouth, right? So worm neck to the raw chicken breast shaped body. And then I want you to picture the dumbest penguin flippers you can find. <laughs> I love a penguin, but I want you to imagine their their wings. But like, Harry, can you stop? I'm trying to roast a dinosaur reptile. Anywho. Oh, my God. That's the next shirt. <laughs> Harry, can you please be quiet? I'm trying to roast a dinosaur. Yep. Okay. So again, then you've got, you're going to picture penguin flippers, but like he goes to the gym. Like this penguin, it has long Michael Phelps like penguin flippers and this penguin works out and there's four of them. And then what caps off the raw chicken body is what looks like a turtle tail if you pulled it out. And you're going to look at me and tell me that that's majestic. It's an underwater long neck. Okay. I don't know. What no, you it's not. It. The neck is too long. The proportions are too long. What do you think a long neck is? The bodies were also long, though. Like, not long, long, but they were, like, tall and, like, substantial. Here, the neck is twice the length of this stupid chicken cutlet body. I don't like how rude you're being to my new Basilosaurus friend. Okay, so I'm going to stop streaming for a moment, but only so I can bring up a very, very factual... If you show me a picture of them swimming next to each other, I'm going to die. I'm just going to die now. Die happy. I'm stopping my screen share just for a moment, but only so I can pull up a shockingly realistic portrayal of the relationship between an Ilmosaurus and a Basilosaurus. Were Are they you best fucking friends? ready? Were they best friends? They were best friends. Or or no, watch our new one fucking ate my friend. That's what happened. Did it also have, what was it, hollow bones? No, it doesn't have hollow bones. But let's take a look at this. We'll obviously have the video for this in the show notes. If you are listening to this and you are pro Basilosaurus, let me know. Well, Amanda always wants to know if you like her <laughs> stupid fucking hollow bone lemon of the sea dinosaur. Prehistoric sea monster. I'm sorry. <laughs> Pause now. Go look at the video. I'll label it very clearly what you should be looking at and when. <laughs> okay. Are you ready, Amanda? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. Like the way it swims. Oh, did the Basilosaurus just kick its ass? Mm-hmm. I'll keep watching, though. There you are making fun of the Basilosaurus, but it, it was a badass. Was it? Yep. Oh, look! Chomp, chomp. Oh, the Basilosaurus fucking kicked ass, yeah. Oh, it's so sad. It's hurt. Oh, no. Knock it off. Be friends. Oh, God. <laughs> Did you make this? Did you make this? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. Oh my gosh! Credit, credit this person. They're they're wonderful. Parasolophus sixty seven. Amazing. Just go watch it. Go watch it. So you would know who would win. That was a roller coaster of emotion. What a time! Oh, it's restarting, but it has a lot of different things versus other things, and it's amazing. Basically, it's a very rudimentary cartoon. Uh, realistic, fantastic is what words you're looking for. Yes. It shows, honestly, it shows the Basilosaurus in all of the glory that it deserves. <gasps> the look I'm giving Amanda right now is just very righteous, and I'm feeling pretty good right now. It kicked ass, so yeah, it deserved that. You would say that it was majestic? This depiction was majestic? Um, this absolutely. is a depiction that you stand by? 
I stand by it. I guess you really aren't pro Basilosaurus then. What is wrong with you? It won the fight. It did. It did, in fact, win that fight. And it didn't look like a dumb, hollow-boned creature at all. <laughs> it captured the essence of what a Basilosaurus is. My goodness, Lindsay. Perfect. Wonderful. A badass. Lemon of the sea. What do you mean? You have you have hollow bones, but you can't, and you're a deep sea animal. You can't survive the water pressure of the water. We can't do this again, Amanda. Anyway, so Illosaurus was something that was once on Antarctica in the Cretaceous period. However, there are creatures that live there now. Many of these have had to adapt to this climate. We're not going to talk about all of the many creatures, but there's a lot of creatures that have lived there throughout its like various types of being. So there's creatures that existed there, from what I understand, when it was a rainforest and have over time adapted to be where it is now. And so there's crustaceans and there's also an Antarctic sea spider that is 11 inches in diameter. And oh the article I read about this said that it was the length of a chihuahua. But again, we all know that a true measurement is of a 12-year-old boy. And the average 12-year-old boy is 148.5 inches. So the sea spider is roughly 1 14th of a 12-year-old boy. And they have long-ass legs. And that's actually where they keep their organs. You want to see what these look like, Amanda? Yep, their legs. And let me show you what they look like. It isn't a nightmare at all. Yeah, yeah, that looks about right. And if you look underneath of it, in the photo, and we'll share this on all the things, there's a photo where it's the Antarctic sea spider and then the European sea spider underneath of it. Like that's its like counterpart. Can you just Google real quick for me? This could be a tangent. It might even be at the end. I need you to know now that we're talking about spiders. The other day I came in here in my office and I'm sitting in my chair doing true creeps things. And then I go to leave and I hear Mike, who my husband just had knee surgery, so he's not very quick walking, doing things. And I hear him go, Amanda, there's a giant ass spider right where you were. And there was a giant ass spider. I had to call in reinforcements. My friend came over and moved it. I love that you called someone. What type of spider was this? All right. So this name of it makes it sound like it's like not hostile, but it's called the common brown spider in Arizona. Oh, no, 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 no. It's too spindly. I got to go. Yeah, I got to go. Look I got to go. Fucking I can't thing. even fucking. This I did awful. for just a brief moment and that's all I can do. So it sounds like, OK, a common spider, like no big deal. No, it can fucking hurt you. I don't like that. Mm-mm. Sorry, spiders. It kind of looks like it. The thing that you just it does. Me. It does. Because it's all legs. And I didn't mm-hmm. know that there were types of spiders that stored their organs in their legs. I didn't either. That's weird. I don't like that at all. Yes, it is weird. It's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. And you know what else is unnecessary? The Antarctic scale worm. To me, it looks like an alien. <laughs> it does not look like it's from this world. It has metallic golden bristles and it has like what looks like jaws of teeth. But don't worry, it's actually it's retractable proboscis, which is basically like a tubular mouth part that kind of like sucks food in. And it can turn its proboscis inside out and fold it up into its body. These worms are eight inches long by four inches wide, plus another three inches for their purpose, which again, that's one twentieth of a 12 year old boy, in case you were wondering. Of course I was. Do you want to see what this fucking nightmare looks like? And they're also carnivorous. Oh God. Okay. Okay. They eat prey with their little creepy fucking jaws. Okay. Okay. Why does it look like that? Like everything about <laughs> it, it looks like you like cut and paste a bunch of pieces of stuff, like including like shit that you found on the ground. Yes, those very clearly look like bristles from a scrub brush. 
Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely does. And even like the texture of it looks like it's like a an old dusting brush. Look, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Its head looks like a scrotum. Yeah, it absolutely does. It's a scroty head. It's a really scroty head. With like weird And teeth. then, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, no, like its head looks like scrotum-like. And then it looks like it's the rest of its body is made up of teeth. Like human teeth touching each other. Do you see it? Oh, I can see that now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like a double smile. And then like these just unnecessarily bright golden bristles to me this looks like an alien like it looks like it is not from this world antarctica yeah it is fucking horrific okay i have another one i have to show you but don't worry we're not done we're not done talking about creatures yet some folks also think that there is a continent beneath antarctica and that on that continent around it there is the largest invertebrate on the planet a massive squid octopus kraken that lives there But there's not any evidence to support these claims. And a lot of the conspiracies that do start out about Antarctica, really, they kind of start out as a joke. Like somebody posts something like being an asshole. And then many people are like, this looks like I could believe it because it's on the Internet. And then like it just builds and builds and builds. So the last creature that we're going to talk about has been called a headless chicken monster. Of course it has, because why not? Why wouldn't that live in Antarctica? Yeah, and it's very active in the waters there, but it's legitimately just a sea cucumber. It has a webbed veil and its body is transparent so you can see its organs. Beautiful. I don't understand why this exists. I simply cannot fathom it. But when you look at it, doesn't it look like a chicken body? When we say chicken, we mean like if you were to buy like a plucked, defeathered chicken from the grocery store, that is the shape of it because it's got like little arms and weird little drumstick feet kind of things right isn't that weird it's weird i would think that it's like a carcass of something yes that's what i was gonna think especially because of like how rich of a red it is Mm -hmm. especially like in contrast to like how blue that water is but it's unsettling yeah the fucking animals man Mm -mm. Mm -mm. no thank you no thank you so um let's get away from these weird creepy things that are like real that freak me out yeah and move on to crimes So in 1959, two scientists began to fight over a game of chess at the Vostok station. The loser then, you know, decided to attack the winner with an ice axe. As one does. As one does when you lose at fucking chess. So there are differing accounts of whether the ice axe attack was fatal or not. Which like it just sounds like it's an axe. Right? Horrible. And a little over the top over chess. And then in 19... 84, the Almirante Brown Station doctor attempted to burn down the station, wanting to kill everyone inside. And he did this when he was ordered to stay at the station. Drastic. Drastic. Fortunately, they were rescued by a ship named Hero and taken to an American research station, which was the Palmer Station. I feel like, remember how you said that the cold messes with people's minds there? Oh, we're going to talk about it after this. In 1996... Two workers in the kitchen began fighting at the McMurdo station. As the fight escalated, one of them attacked the other with a hammer. Another kitchen worker tried to intervene, but was injured in the process. Both of the original fighting workers were then arrested. So people like to start fights in this weird place. In 2000, Rodney Marks, an Australian astrophysicist, died. Before he died, he had been experiencing nausea, stomach pains, and a fever. He had stated that he was feeling very weak 
and tired. Rodney tried to go to bed early to give his body some time to fight off the illness, as one does, and he woke up and began vomiting blood. His symptoms kept getting worse and worse, and he also noticed that he was extremely sensitive to light. His mental state also began to decline, which, I mean, when you're sick and vomiting blood and doing all of this, I I could imagine. He eventually succumbed to his illness on May 12th of 2000. Everyone thought he had died of natural causes, and because he died at the onset of winter, his body was kept at the Amundsen-Scott South Pole Station. When his body was flown to New Zealand for an autopsy, it was discovered that he had died from methanol poisoning. Which I'd never heard of. Have you heard of that before? No, but it's a lot different from um, natural causes. Yeah. And it's still a mystery as to how he was poisoned from methanol. And let's talk about what methanol poisoning is. This can happen from either inhaling vapors, your skin can absorb it, or by ingesting it. Also, you've likely heard of this type of poison in the form of a different name, and that is windshield wiper fluid. Huh. I didn't know that that even could do anything. I have definitely heard of it being able to do things. I thought it was just like, oh, bad chemical. I didn't know it was like a very particular type of chemical that has this type of effect, if you will. Yeah. So let's go to another one. In 2018, Sergei Savinsky stabbed Oleg Viliglazov in the chest at the Bellinghausen station. All reports say that Savinsky was intoxicated when he stabbed Oleg, but there are differing reasons as to why he stabbed him. Some say that Oleg had told Savinsky to dance on the table for money. Others say that Oleg kept telling Savinsky the ending to books that he was reading. Which would be infuriating, but not stabbing in the chest infuriating. So it's stab worthy. Those are some pretty intense fights over chess and the telling of the ends of books. Yeah, I think so. Let's talk about why these might have happened, right? So at the top of the episode, we talked about like why Antarctica is scary. We talked about how it was so cold that it messes with your head, right? And part of this is winter over syndrome, which is experienced by those who stay for the long polar night, which is the seven or eight months of winter in Antarctica. People who are there, they can experience both behavioral and physical disturbances, including IBS, insomnia, irritability, depression, memory difficulty, as well as absent-mindedness, And also something called the Antarctic or just the Arctic stare. And what it is, it's kind of like the fugue-like state that people who spend long periods at these stations experience. So it's like they're kind of like staring off into space and they're like kind of dissociated. So like they're not even like focusing. So think about like have you ever like spaced out and just stared off for like a second? Yeah. It's that but a longer period. That's wild. Some of these symptoms are associated with a condition called T3 syndrome. And what it is, is it's a thyroid condition. Researchers theorize that it's caused by the body adapting to extreme cold. And so what's happening is that your body is using so much of the thyroid hormone T3 to keep your body warm that there's not enough left for your brain to function as it normally would. And the Antarctic stare is commonly associated as a symptom of the polar teeth syndrome. Isn't that wild that it's like your body's like, I'm literally so cold that for me to keep homeostasis going, I'm going to have to like divert some brain chemicals. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. So now let's finish this with some more conspiracies because that's our favorite, right? That's what we want. I love it. So the next conspiracy we're going to talk about is the above ground structures. And some think that there are structures on the surface that are pretty massive. A user on YouTube called MRMBB33 has a channel where he has a screen grab from a Google Maps image. And they suggest that the structure is 2,000 feet high 
and the width spans six football fields. And we need to go back to our unit of measurement. This is approximately 189 12-year-old boys wide. Good. I'm glad that we're keeping the correct unit of measurement alive. Absolutely. We should actually, we should contact some scientists and be like, honestly, people are going to understand this more if like you put your findings in the length of 12-year-old boys. Look, America's already like being like, we have to use inches. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. let's just be really weird let's just be like in order to do this we'll need a universal standard for 12 year old boys because i would imagine that height might vary geographically Mm -hmm. i say as a question mark (laughs) and it goes up aren't people getting taller still not for me oh five two and three quarters baby Uh Mm uh-huh that three quarters is important it is it is and no countries have confirmed that this is their structure which is interesting yeah, that's also like a massive building to be able to build without anybody noticing. The if it was a building. clearly did it. Oh, shit. Yeah. So there's also, of course, underground structures. And there was a theory that there were structures beneath the ice that were found and that they had capsules containing human, quote unquote, ancestors. And this was spread with an image made by Mike Winkleman. And this image, mind you, it looks like something you'd see in like a sci-fi book, right? Like yeah, a, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's an interesting drawing, and it's like, mm, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this back to Power Rangers. You know Zordon? Yeah, I do. The floating headman. It's yeah. a bunch of his floating headman capsules, but with full-on mm-hmm. bodies in it. Yes. And then, of course, with like workers in all white suits and then, you know, a dude with a gun, because why not? It's beautifully done and realistic, but it's also to me, I'm like, this is clearly art. Yeah. Or I guess we could just say what, like alien, right? Didn't alien have a scene like that? Yes, but they were different. They were on a ship. Oh, I didn't know it mattered where they were. Well, yeah, because they were on a ship and this is supposed to be under a continent. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm just saying the capsules. Okay. Okay. Sure. I mean, for that matter, you could also say Stranger Things with the Demigorgons. We could say that. Yeah, that would make sense. Uh, Also, I guess my Zordon reference, he wasn't technically like in an underground bunker. I get. Well, he might have been. He was. Yeah, they went they went down like the little hatch thing. Yeah. Did you know that that is in my hometown in Simi Valley? Oh, were you a Power Ranger? I absolutely was. I knew it. Yeah. The main area was in Simi Valley, California. And we tried last time we were there. I was like, I want to go to the Power Rangers. And we tried and it's gated off and they don't let you. And I tried to talk to one of the security guards and he just gave me a really dirty look because I was like, I want to go find the Power Rangers. And he would not let me go find the Power Rangers. He's like over it. He's like, get out of here, millennials. <laughs> get the fuck out. I'm tired of your shit. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's kind of his fault for working where the Power Rangers live. Anyway, so... This theory of the weird tubes has been debunked. And per researchers, there's no evidence of buildings that were man-made beneath Antarctica. But like, come on, why would they tell us? But also like the phrasing of that makes me feel like they're being very specific that there's not man-made structures. Like I don't buy into a lot of these, but like there's no evidence of buildings that were man-made. Okay. But Ningen made. I like that you go Ningen. I'm going just alien. Maybe the Ningens are part of the aliens, okay? Maybe. There's something called the bed map that is essentially a massive map of the information gleaned about the shape of the terrain in Antarctica. I like it. I like it. Per Peter Fretwell, a researcher from the Scientific Committee on Antarctic Research, quote, There's no evidence whatsoever of anything man-made or looking like a city in any of this vast collection of data. Again, they're like, they're hanging on to that man-made. Yeah, I don't like the 
the qualification of that. <laughs> per Beth Ann Davies, who is a glacial geologist and a professor at Newcastle University, the engineering needed to build a structure under the ice is, quote, far beyond our present engineering capabilities. Yeah, okay. Our okay. capabilities. Our capabilities. <laughs> if you had help, perhaps you mm-hmm. could. Let's just take this back to um, the Denver airport. <laughs> same thing, right? <laughs> same thing. Same, same thing. thing. Same thing. Same, same. There's no Illuminati here, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Do I have Illuminati stories from this week for you? We'll talk about that What later. a time. My sister-in-law convinced my seven-year-old son that the Illuminati broke into our backyard and left weird notes. As one does. Because that's what people deal with with their seven-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. So he's afraid of the Illuminati coming. (laughs) (laughs) I do kind of love this, though. Yeah, it's great. So also, let's talk about one of our favorites, too. One of our favorite uh, theories. And that's the theory of Atlantis. We do love Atlantis. We do love Atlantis. And I love the movie. Anyway, so some think that Antarctica is where Atlantis was. And there's a map from 1513 that is known as the Perry Reese map. And it appears to show Antarctica before the Ice Age. And people have compared the map to Google Earth images that have claimed to see structures like a castle. And it's Hmm. a pretty big stretch. And there's not much empirical evidence to prove this. But like Atlantis was somewhere, right? Theoretically. Perhaps, though. I mean, haven't you heard, too, that it was at the Bermuda Triangle, too? Like, it was just kind of all over the place. Anytime there's a spooky place, they're like, but Atlantis? Maybe here? Maybe here. Maybe here. Anywhere that has water is where Atlantis was. Yeah, of course. Of course. And so the last conspiracy that we're going to talk about is that there's UFOs or UFO bases. Clearly. And there were two sightings that propelled this idea. And both of them have to do with the Google Earth images. The first shows kind of like a disc-like shape in the snow. And the second shows it looks like something skidded like look, look, there's like a skid mark in the ice yes. so it looks like something like crashed and moved forward but it's pretty clear that both of them are just the way that the snow has formed or an avalanche and so a lecturer from keel university said that it was a block of ice from an avalanche that just slid further across the ice than the rest of the debris from the avalanche and that's for the one that looks like a skid mark mm. and for the other one it looks kind of just like the ice cracked like something hit it And then it cracked around the edges. To me, it doesn't look like it's flying closer at all. It's kind of weird. But one of the things that there is, is that there are over 50,000 rocks from other planets that have fallen as meteorites on Antarctica. Yes. And that makes me wonder how many rocks like that are kind of all over the world, because what are the odds that it would land just one place? Yeah. So, like, how many oceans are they in? And so that's wild to me. What an interesting, um, like, aggregate of it. And also an important thing to note is that specimens that are collected from Antarctica have to stay there. Oh, yeah. So they can't, they can't leave. So they can't take those space rocks off of mm-hmm. Antarctica to study them. They had to do it all there, which is one of the reasons why they have these outposts, mm-hmm. which is why people are there for like the long polar night and such is because the research has to be conducted while they're there. That's interesting. But it, I mean, it makes sense because no one owns it, right? Mm-hmm. So, Amanda, do you believe any of these conspiracies? Mm, I mean, other than the Ningen and how cool the Basilosaurus's friend was. I love that you're like their friends, even though that depiction clearly showed. They, the they had a little bit of a was. falling out happens to the best of us. Yikes. 
Not really. Like, the okay, it would be very convenient if this is like a gathering place for like UFOs and stuff because we're not there to annoy them. Mm-hmm. Right? It'd also be a smart place to be, you know, like just go where we're not. Yeah, yeah. And like it does make sense too that there's a lot of weird creatures and things that we haven't discovered because we're not there all the time. And we're not there. I mean, we're still ruining it from afar, but like we're not there physically ruining it. With our cars yeah, we're not and like all of our shit. Knocking down things to build something. There. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We're ruining it from afar and it's a little slower. Yeah. So I think there are a lot of things that we don't know about there. Are they like paranormal and stuff or UFOs? Maybe. We obviously wouldn't know. What do you think? I think that if we were going to find evidence of UFOs, it would be a place that we would find it. I also think that there is likely a lot of things that they have found that they have not shared with us because all of these different creatures have adapted so thoroughly to live in this place that it would be highly bizarre to me that they would not find anything interesting that could be groundbreaking because why would they continue to search if they're like, it's just a bunch of weird fucking worms, you know, like what would be the point? Uh huh. Uh huh. And why would everyone agree? too like no one agrees on anything in our world yeah but they're like let's agree to look for weird shit here together yeah and like what is the only time that you would imagine humans uniting over aliens over aliens and so i have my little list of questions okay i'm fascinated by this right so i was like because whenever i see a tiktok and they're like antarctica and i'm like i am listening mm-hmm, me too. i am listening and amanda and i send them back and forth all the time because we find it so interesting Mm-hmm. So, like, tell us, do you believe the conspiracies? Are you also intrigued by it? And also, do you think the Basilosaurus or the Ilmosaurus would win in a fight or would they be best friends? The video shows that they wouldn't be. And I also want to know what you think of this video. That really realistic video of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to know if the chicken cutlet monster of the sea would be the lemon of the sea. Chicken cutlet's worm neck is the scientific name. It's so sad. Chicken cutlass worm neck too many neck teeth. Of the sea, Lindsay. No, don't you dare sully Littlefoot's name like that. How dare you, madam? <sighs> so sad. As always, we want to know. Just as a note before we, we leave, we have a Patreon if you love the show. We have tears starting at just a dollar if you want to support us. If not, we just appreciate you listening. We have the list of our Patreon in our show notes. And I mean, we have a fun time in our Discord. And our ghost tour was, I mean, Patreon had first dibs. And they'll have first dibs again in March with our upcoming ghost tour in Arizona. And details will be coming out in the next couple days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and with that, have a great weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. And as always, a special thank you to our patrons who support us via Patreon. Please see the link in our show notes to learn more about how you, yes, you, can begin to haunt the dump, guard vortexes, or even become a scorching Sasquatch. Also in our show notes, you can find the link to our website, more information on our sources, our social media handles, and our merch store. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps and or ghosts. I beg of you. (laughs) Polly My little Norman Bates. You're my little Norman Bates. You'd wear my skin. Yeah, you would. (laughs) Harry, can you stop? I'm trying to roast a dinosaur. What do you think a long neck is?